Welcome to Inside Scoop with Sean Emery. Every week we are examining something new, bringing you closer to companies, sectors, and themes. This recording should not be construed as a substitute for personalized individual advice from Avery and Company or any guests on the show. This is for educational purposes only and not intended to make an offer or solicitation for any companies or securities mentioned. With that, let's get on with the episode. Hello, hello. So it is Friday. It's a good day. It's a good week. Earnings season is upon us. It's one of the better times of the year as we are able to dissect kind of the reality from the noise. Let me walk you through a couple different key topics today. First being, how do we think about earnings seasons? What are we looking to do? What are we thinking about? Number two is let's look at bank earnings. What is it telling us about the economy? What is it telling of us about the consumer or corporations? We'll be quick there. Next up, we are going to talk about Snapchat and any sort of takeaways around their core business and or anything it suggests around ad tech in general. Lastly is Netflix. They reported, and I think there was some key takeaways. That'll be it for today. There was a lot to talk about. Next week, we will be back at it with a ton of other earnings reports. Next week really is the focal point of earnings, uh, over 100 companies report. So we will be there to speak about some of the key ones. All right, so let's start off with how do we think about earnings season in general? You know, in many cases, a single earnings report will not change our view of a business, and it really shouldn't. You know, at the end of the day, a three-month window or a quarter within a five-year investment time horizon, I won't say is meaningless, but it doesn't necessarily shape the direction of a company. In some cases, yes, you'll have some deviation of a company's business that is much more material, and that should be acted upon and or thought differently. However, yet most companies and their quarterly reports Uh, is simply a stepping stone to the eventual kind of whatever shape this business will be uh, five years from now. You know, prior to earnings season, much of our work is spent on product, the strength of it, the health of the overall business, along with management's ability to execute. You know, it's important because a strong product with a strong leadership team really allows uh, investors to bridge the gap between a quarter or two, uh, assuming, you know, you have a couple quarters that are weak, Uh, and you really allow management team to adapt to the current situations and then thrive thereafter. You know, going back in history, there are some examples of this. Think about Microsoft. They had a bunch of bad years, and then they figured out how to reignite growth, and the story uh, was over after that, and and here we're looking at Microsoft as one of the best businesses in the world. Uh, So again, a great product, a viable leadership team, whether it's before or one that's coming on, is important as you diagnose a single quarter. And it's something important just to have in the back of your mind. So we try to listen to as many earnings reports as possible. That's really a big, important part of our process. We're trying to hone in on the companies we track or follow, but still broaden our knowledge base, really to gauge where there's strength in the market, uh, potential weakness or or weak signs uh, uh, showing up. I think it's important to have kind of this generalist approach to understanding what's happening around you. You know, if you get pigeonholed into a niche market, I think you are subject to not understanding uh, the different changes that are taking place. And ultimately, you know, it's a buzzword, but innovation or getting disrupted, I think happens from the sides and angles you're not expecting. So having an understanding of what's happening in in the restaurant business, specifically, you know, in, in food delivery, which is different from uh, a traditional restaurant, I think it's important to have knowledge or at least understanding of of all of them, and then hone in on the areas that you think are most important that are shaping the future. 
Here's an example of, of that is, you know, this week, BJ Brewhouse, they reported, I tuned in, I understand, uh, you know, I'm, I'm there to understand what the consumption trends are for discretionary food. And what are the trends for, you know, discretionary food and beverage? This isn't a quick service restaurant. This is kind of a mid-market uh, from a price point. Uh, and it also tells us a little bit about wage dynamics in this space. The net takeaway was, you know, they're seeing trends that are, that are strong. They said they're not seeing any weakness in, in, um, in, in, tr in traffic. On the wage side, they're hiring a lot of people and they're trying to take all those uh, individuals up to uh, the quality and caliber that they expect. So they're going through that, you know, low pro productivity to eventually for their sake. And again, it's not an investment of ours is, is moving that up towards um, higher pr productivity uh, individuals. So that's one example of just a, you know, a somewhat random company in the, in the grand scheme of things, but big picture earnings season, what are we looking for in general? And what is our thought process around companies that you invest in or we invest in? Um, because at the end of the day, you know, when we're listening to some of these companies that we've been, we're invested in, we've already done the, the, the due diligence, the decision's been made. We have the product that we believe in. We have the management team that we believe in. So what are we looking for? You know, at the end of the day, number one is we're looking for consistency, consistency and commentary around how they're building their business, what we, our thesis that was laid out and put in place. Are we building upon that? Number two, it's really around sales and margins, you know, top line, what's going on there? What is the current business trends relative to, let's say, four quarters or six quarters or eight quarters, and ensuring that obviously there's not massive deviations from that trend line. And if there is, understanding what's causing them. Are they one-off uh, items or is it something that is a total change in direction of the business? Same thing with margins. You want to look at margins in the context of what's going on around you. You know, margins can be impacted by currency. They could be impacted by supply chain. But what's happening in the supply chain, which again goes back to the point of trying to understand what's happening around you. Number three for us is really you, you want to hone in on the core business, which ultimately means you have to understand the core business. And again, using the example of currency, I think, you know, revenues can be up 4%, but in currency neutral basis, it may be up 10, just given the fact that the US dollar has risen so sharply. Now, we know, generally speaking, currency moves or stabilizes or reverses. So it's important to monitor both. You want to understand both dynamics, but I think the headlines don't do justice in many cases. So you really have to dig deeper. Uh, and today in this environment, I think it's just as important, or if not more important. On the flip side, you know, it's what do we pay very little attention to? This is almost just as important of what you're looking for. And it, it, a lot of it is just because you're trying to build like a mind mental map as you head into many of these earnings reports and understand, you know, uh, what is your process? What is your strategy? What is your way of thinking? Number one, it's operating performance relative to analyst expectations. You know, right at the bottom of a page, it'll say uh, company XYZ beat by 10 cents. Um, you know, I think there's an emotional uh, impact to that. There's a sentiment impact. And there's, some, there's definitely some importance to it. Um, so I'm not trying to belittle it by any stretch. Um, but I do think what you really want to focus on is what is the management team saying and their guidance and then relative to how they're, they're uh, uh, actually performing uh, to that. I think that's more important. There is something to be said about, you know, uh, about analyst expectations. Many of these individuals are smart, but I do think it's definitely not something you should be paying attention to uh, quarter to quarter by any stretch. And, you know, I've said this from time to time, the perception is, is that companies miss analyst estimates, but I really think in the, the true reality here is that the analysts miss the expectations of the business. It's the other way around. Number two of what we pay very little attention to is the share reaction to the results. I think this is a big tip. Don't look at the reaction of the of kind of the stock, let's say, in after hours or pre-market. 
make your conclusion, look at the results, turn off all the other kind of uh, avenues of, um, you know, um, uh, emotional kind of uh, reaction that you could, you could essentially uh, 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 view or see uh, notifications off, you know, Twitter off and make your decision. I think this really creates that aha moment, that Zen moment of really honing in on the key metrics, listen to the earnings call, listen to commentary and management from the team. Um, and it will not cloud your judgment of the core elements you are looking for. So have that plan going in uh, ahead of time. Once you're in it, remove the emotional side of it all, make your decision. The reality is, you know, a move in a stock happens milliseconds after the earnings are posted. What does that mean? This likely means the reaction is to the headline and less about the details around the headline. You have, you know, uh, 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 computers essentially analyzing contextual data to try to understand, is this a beat, a miss, and and uh, anything else related to the earnings release. But we all know there's much more than just the earnings release on the, on the, on the earnings call, which tends to happen an hour later. Uh, management shares comments around what's happening. You know, maybe some of the data points there aren't necessarily uh, important to the core business. And so again, big picture, it's just investing is not supposed to be emotional. Therefore, limit the emotions, clear your decision-making. That's just one little tip. That's what we think about. So let's move into earnings season so far. Big picture numbers, overall 20% of companies have reported. So we still have a long way to go. Next week will be more. We'll do this again. Of those, nearly 75% are beating both top and bottom line. Uh, that's an important from a sentiment perspective. Again, if 90-something percent of people are focused on these, these aspects, then we have to understand potentially what they're thinking about these numbers. And that is the state of earnings season so far. I think the next area is banks. So banks mainly reported earnings, and there's really two ways to look at banks. And we look at banks every single earnings season. And what we're ultimately looking for is what are they saying about the current conditions and are they uh, sending any signals of credit stress? This quarter, both of these kind of uh, key areas came in healthy. And I'll start with a couple. So first off, Capital One. They continue to signal that credit conditions remain strong. They continue to see delinquency rates below pre-COVID levels. Their big spender uh, new accounts uh, are increasing and levels uh, of overall sentiment and credit conditions in their business suggest a healthy consumer overall. Number two was Morgan Stanley. So Morgan Stanley reported, and generally speaking, it was a good report. Um, and they authorized and have an authorization of a $20 billion buyback. They shared on the earnings call their positive view of the current conditions economically and credit conditions. Uh, obviously, they believe economic activity can slow potentially with rates rising. That makes a lot of sense. But at the same time, they highlighted on their earnings call when asked about the $20 billion buyback, they basically stated that they wouldn't be authorizing a $20 billion buyback if they thought there was a hurricane on the horizon. And I say hurricane because that takes us to the next one, JP Morgan. If you do follow our data uh, newsletter each Friday this week, we talked about 30%. You can go look at that, but I'll share it again here. JP Morgan reported, and again, we shared the quote from their earnings call already. Now, credit conditions and lending conditions remain strong. And Jamie Dimon spooked markets a couple months back. And again, you saw the headlines everywhere where he talked about a potential hurricane on the horizon. However, on the earnings call, he was asked about you know their relative guidance around expenses, which uh, increased. Uh, so he's spending more. And he had plenty of things to say about uh, why they're spending and their long-term view and that the economy is going to be, you know, he always remembers that uh, 10 years from now, the economy will be bigger than it is today. So they want to invest into the future. Again, all that I think is the right things to say, but there was one quote that stood out and here is from Jamie Dimon himself. 
quote, there are very good current numbers taking place. Consumers are in good shape. They're spending money. They have more income. Jobs are plentiful. They're spending 10% more than last year, almost 30% plus more than pre-COVID. Businesses, you talk to them, they're in good shape. They're doing fine. We've never seen business credit be better ever in our lifetimes. And that's the current environment. End quote, Jamie Dimon, CEO of JP Morgan. I know, uh, again, that it's so far removed from a hurricane comment, but you know, I get the caution, rates rising, inflation is a headwind, consumers are in businesses are in good shape today. So I think it's a good starting point. So the hurricane comments, while I, I understand where the comment is coming from, just given conditions, uh, I think it's an opinion. And, and, and that's what it is. It's Jamie Dimon's opinion, as opposed to anything that he is seeing in the hard data. And I think that is an important takeaway from that earnings release. Next up, let's turn to Snapchat and ad tech in general. You know, is there anything to take away here? In terms of Snap, I think there's three areas, one, product health, two, financial health, and then three, and probably most important here is the perception of management. And you go back to my original thing is, you know, you need a management te team that you can trust and to execute when things go awry. We spoke last time, I'd say a couple months back now, when Snap lowered their guidance again, and that created uh, an exaggeration or an acceleration of a credibility problem within management. And this earnings report only made it worse. To remind everyone, they laid out a 50% growth goal for the next several years. They are sitting at flat growth year over year using quarter to date numbers that they provided. So a huge delta between their goals and reality. They can get a pass on the macro. They can get a, a pass somewhat on, on changes from iOS, but the delta between goals and accomplishments puts them in a big penalty box. And I think that penalty box will last for some time. You know, again, it, it all comes down to management credibility. Do you trust the information they're putting out there? And I don't mean trust in terms of any sort of, uh, you know, uh, conspiracy way. I mean, just simply, do they understand the health of their business today and able to manage it to the future? Um, even more so if, you know, if this execution continues from a financial perspective, I could see someone stepping in, haven't heard anything. I'm just saying it is a good product. And by good product, again, that's the second part is, you know, the product metrics are healthy. The roadmap is clear from maps to some of the other uh, announcements that they had. But Snap added 15 million daily active users in Q2. Engagement with the company's short form video offering spotlight remained very strong. Uh, monthly active users increased. Uh, to 270 million, roughly. And again, I think they're in a penalty box now. They need to invest in product, but at the same time, invest in ad technology, which you could argue they are still early in. And now they have to balance uh, profitability at the same time. So again, I think they're in this box, not only penalty box from management team, but a box in terms of where do they invest capital uh, and how do they keep up? So this really puts them at a disadvantage to their larger peers that are in a strategic position, flush with cash, strong starting margins. They could give up some margin to continue to uh, invest in product to potentially um, uh, cut at the edges of something like a snap. So I think this is interesting. And it's something that we always talk about during uh, periods of weakness in economic conditions. The strong gets stronger as they have the ability to invest while others pull back which allows them to survive and thrive and get through to the other side in a stronger position. You see it every single time. Um, now, stepping a little bit away from Snap specifically, I think, you know, to be clear, nobody is immune to ad spend trends given the size of digital ad market today. You know, you go back 10 years ago, the digital ad market was smaller, and therefore the sheer size of it today means they're more susceptible to changes in the economic landscape. Now, we've heard from large ad agencies 
that ad spending still remains strong, that it is growing overall. However, this is likely from various different uh, industries that may be different from, let's say, a Snap or even some of the other large players. Uh, it's also much stronger in the enterprise business who continue to invest. Mid and small uh, businesses are the ones that are likely to pause quicker when things and headlines and, and uh, um, economic conditions show the early signs of weakness. And Snap on their earnings call made it very clear that their product is easy to turn on, but easy to turn off. That's, that's all through the ad tech space for the most part. Um, it's very easy to turn on, very easy to turn off. That's a good and a bad, meaning when things get better, we'll likely see this as a catalyst um, as many of these businesses turn on their ad budgets, once again, small and mid-sized specifically. Um, now, these companies or ad, digital ad platforms in general, Comparable growth relative to last year was also a headwind. You know, they saw strong growth last year at this time. I think Snap saw 100 plus percent uh, growth. Take on the currency, take on the macro, take on the iOS changes. It's pretty understandable. Um, now, again, you, you have to understand uh, or go back to my concept around uh, consistency and credibility. I, I think that's really, really important. You know, the last company, there's plenty of companies, but one company that reported yesterday was Twitter. The, re the results were, were pretty okay. You know, uh, I think the core user continues to grow uh, on the platform. We, I know personally, and I think most of you know personally, that the product evolution continues to uh, grow. So I, I love the pr product cadence there. But Twitter's a mess right now, you know, with Musk there. It's hard to even look at the company. Uh, they need to improve the product in general um, in, and improve the revenue sources. But the management team's in flux and who knows. Uh, so I won't really talk about them yet uh, or now until, you know, things clear. Last but not least, Netflix. I think this is one that uh, was interesting this week, and I will share some points on that right now. First, Netflix reported, and while the results were mixed in general, I think the valuation more than reflected that. The comparable growth from a year ago was a headwind, similar to kind of the, the ad players. They saw math, massive growth during, obviously, COVID. Uh, some of that is sh resulting into churn now. They had price increases, which is resulting into churn as well. However, I think the number one takeaway from their earnings call was that they see the $17.9 billion mark as their steady state content budget for now. Uh, this has always been a question mark for Netflix. How much do they need to spend on content to keep the engagement and interest growing? So this provides a baseline and really a sense of responsible content spending for Netflix that I don't think was there. And again, it goes back to the credibility type of and consistency that uh, I think investors look for in a business, specifically what we look for. If you are looking out uh, multiple years, I think one question is, does this signal the start of the end of what we've seen in the rapid rise in content costs? And if so, could this be that point in time where we start to see leverage, I'm talking years out, for the Netflix model over time, where the cost for incremental content is actually coming down in terms of rate of change, but at the same time, they found this nice base of 17.9 billion plus or minus that they can work off of and then now start to direct that, that pool of capital towards smarter content spend instead of more content spend. We'll see. I guess we'll, we'll learn over time. And Netflix, kind of more on, on, on what they announced was uh, uh, ideas around their ad product. You know, they plan to roll out an ad tier. Uh, and this makes perfect sense. You know, they've been talking about this for quite some time. It remains early in terms of what this will look like. 
They partnered with uh, Microsoft, which seems odd, but we'll go for it or go with that for now. Uh, however, ads, while a revenue driver, it opens up some questions. What does this do for the core user? Do they switch to the ad tier? Does this remove the ability to raise prices further into the future? How will ads be delivered? You know, another point and similar to ads is shared accounts. They're running tests in certain markets around shared accounts and paying more for sharing. Uh, we'll see there. So far, they indicate that things are running fairly smoothly. So let's take them for their word for now. But big picture, you know, I think we got some consistency or potential consistency around content spend at Netflix. You know, the user base, they, they lost roughly a million users. And whether that what that was relative to expectations um, it is something where, you know, you're starting to see somewhat of a deceleration in the amount of loss or churn on the platform while they begin actually rolling out some of these call it churn preventers like ad tiers uh, and shared accounts. So I think that's really, really important stuff from Netflix uh, this past week. Lastly, I wanted to mention one thing or three numbers, 60%. That's the drop in freight rates from the highs. So you know where that what, what that means? $4.41. That's the average gas price. It's down for nearly 40 days in a row consecutively. Uh, again, take that with the first data point. And then 36, that's the number of days until college football season starts. And with that, I'm out. I'll see you next week.